This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The Annie Fry Show YouTube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's us. That's right. Gotta love this American ride. All right, you need to take the time and get the full picture. Don't get me wrong. I love the ladies. I mean, they rev my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady. This is the Annie Fry Show. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has been hospitalized at Walter Reed for a bladder issue. At about 5 p.m. yesterday, he transferred the functions and duties of his office to his deputy secretary, Kathleen Hicks. The White House, Congress, and the Joint Chiefs were notified of this issue. So that's the report. Uh, this happened. This news alert came out earlier this morning. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has been transferred to critical care at Walter Reed. Um, he was transported to the hospital by a security detail on Sunday for symptoms suggesting an emergent bladder issue, according to a statement released by the Department of Defense from his doctors. Following a series of tests and evaluations, Austin was admitted into the critical care unit Sunday night for supportive care and close monitoring. I can't, um, I, w- I wanted to make sure that we talked about that issue and I wanted to make sure that we know that that's happening so that we can keep him in the pr- in our prayers. But there's quite a lot of things going on in the world right now. And the secretary Austin being hospitalized is an important story that we need to be made aware of. Let's get back to our YouTube live chat poll for today is have you personally noticed obvious instances of shrinkflation uh, so much so that the president of the United States himself has... The Super Bowl Sunday. If you're anything like me, you like to be surrounded by a snack or two while watching the big game. You know, when buying snacks for the game, you might have noticed one thing. Sports drinks bottles are smaller. A bag of chips has fewer chips, but they're still charging it just as much. And as an ice cream lover, what makes me the most angry is that ice cream cartons have actually shrunk in size, but not in price. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation. It's a ripoff. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the products little by little and hoping you won't notice. Give me a break. The American public is tired of being played for suckers. I'm calling on companies to put a stop to this. Let's make sure businesses do the right thing now. Well, shrinkflation is different than inflation, and President Biden has certainly noticed at least one of those things. Let's talk to our friend Steve Moore. He's a distinguished fellow in economics at the Heritage Foundation, a Trump economic advisor as well, and an author. Steve, thanks for coming back with us uh, today. Good to have you here. 
Hi, Annie. Good to be with you. Shrinkflation, have you noticed it in your own consumerism that products and and services are getting smaller and smaller but costing the same, if not even more? Uh, yeah, I think everybody's noticed it. I mean, you get a bag of Doritos and stuff, getting 20 chips, you get 18 chips and things like that. And so this is frustrating, uh, and it is a result of Biden inflation. So it's so ironic that Biden is talking about this because, of course, it's his own policies that created this, right? It, so when he says, like, we've solved the inflation problem, no, you haven't, because you're, you're paying, let's say, $2 for a bag of Doritos, but guess what? You're getting fewer, so you're actually, per Dorito, your cost you know, goes up by another 5 or 6%. So inflation, this means that inflation is actually higher than it's officially reported to be. And it, it tells us that the inflation problem is not over. It's much worse uh, than it was uh, when Trump was president. So I'm not so sure how that message was something. <laughs> that, I mean, it's, it's like, do you remember when he um, blamed the uh, high gas prices on the gasoline stations? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's always trying to point his finger at someone else. <laughs> yes. It's almost comical, actually. Yeah. Oh, you know, the oh, the, the, this company is, you know, gouging, you know, why is it only when uh, when Biden was president that the company started gouging on prices, right? I mean, he, you know, companies have always been trying to maximize their profits and revenues. And so you can only do what you can get away with. And under Biden, the costs are so much. I mean, this is why the real inflation rate's probably closer to six, seven, eight percent, not three and a half percent it's reported to be. Yeah, I, I think it's an important point. And it's ironic that Joe Biden is the one who's bringing this to the conversation to talk about as if it's a, a frustrating thing for him to experience as a consumer. What kind of policies have been put in place in the Biden administration that have lent to obviously the inflation, but also shrinkflation where businesses are trying to maximize profits through these types of, of uh, solutions? Well, first of all, let me just uh, back up for a minute. So uh, you're familiar, I'm sure, with the term bank, a, bank, a baker's dozen. Yes. Right. And I think everybody knows a baker's dozen is when you get th- 13 eggs when you buy a dozen. And that, you know, I did some research on this last night because I was writing about this, but shrinkflation. And that happened because what, back in the medieval days the, of a baker, you know, they would try to skimp on how many, how much flour or how many eggs they put in the bread and other, you know, servings. And so what, you know, it was kind of the original version of shrinkflation. And so what happened is you could be, you know, flouted, you could be beaten if you were a baker and you were caught doing this. And that's where, so to to make sure that they didn't get um, flogged and beaten, they would, they would have 13 eggs. So they couldn't be accused of, you know, shrinking the, the amount. And so what's ironic about this is that you know, you, we, so we had a baker's dozen, which is 13, and now we've got to start calling it a Biden dozen, which is 11. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually wrote down Biden dozen and was going to say that, and I'm like, oh, if he's, gonna, if dozen, he's leading into this, eggs. I don't want to scoop him. That's exactly <laughs> that's how, right. But they charge you the same amount, right? And that's like, hey, let's see. If we get. Yeah. But um, now, wh- how did this all happen? I mean, everyone knows how the inflation came about. We spent and borrowed and printed money in the trillions of dollars we didn't have, and uh, we went from one point. inflation under uh, Donald Trump to 9.1% inflation under Biden in 18 months. And that was all a result of this, all this massive government spending and debt. So 
can we come back from it? I feel like if if companies get used to charging X amount of dollars for Y amount of product and people are consuming it that way, that they're not just willfully going to go back and, you know, air quotes, according to Joe Biden, like do the right thing. Um, how do we get back to where our dollar goes back I further? think people understand what's going on and they see it and they're frustrated that they are angry about it. Uh, but the reason that, the, you know, let's say, you know, your Doritos bag has fewer Doritos in it is because the cost of producing the Doritos is higher because of Biden and inflation. You know, inflation doesn't just affect the consumer and that, you know, it does, of course, but it also affects the producer. Right. If your energy costs are higher, your uh, egg prices are higher, your uh, electricity prices are higher, all these things, you're going to have to um, you know, either charge more or reduce the amount that you put in each package. So this is just a kind of backdoor way of giving people less for the amount of money they pay. We're speaking with Steve Moore. He's a distinguished fellow in economics at the Heritage Foundation. You are also a Trump economic advisor. Uh, I would think of all of the things that President Trump in his second term could get his hands on and work to fix uh, quickly that the economy has got to be something uh, he's got. He would have a lot of issues to face, but the economy has to be at the top of things that he's excited to implement Trump policies uh, and, and get us back on track. What are you advising him? What would he want to do out the gate if he were to be reelected in November? Well, I, I just had a discussion with uh, President Trump yesterday. In fact, you know, we he had a big Super Bowl party at the Trump International in uh, Palm Beach, and I was in town, and he invited me. So we talked a little bit about all this stuff, and he, um, you know, he thinks he can fix this in about six months, yeah. you know, and he'll have a whole, uh, uh, you know, package of executive orders to uh, solve these, you know, problems. And, and by the way, Biden's had all these, I was thinking about this also last night, you know, Biden's had all these executive orders, right? Everything from, you know, energy policy to border policy, this, that, everything, student loan policies, doing this all by, uh, he's doing this all by um, executive order. And isn't it ironic that he says, oh, but to control the border, I, I need a change in the law. No, you don't. <laughs> you, you've got to, all you have to do is put back in place the Trump policies and the border will be secure again. It's not complicated. Yeah, it's right there. And I think the majority of people, Americans, understand that. Um, before we let you go, we're speaking with Steve Moore at the Heritage Foundation. Do you f- compare... Donald Trump coming in fresh, non-politician, brand new to politics, first job in, in, in the business as the president of the United States, and how prepared he will be should he win again in November? Is he ready to go in, in oh a big God. way on day one? Of course he is. And in fact, you know, this is what makes the left so nervous is, you know, with every president, you know, it's a learning process in the first six months, you know, but Trump will come right in from day one and he'll be ready to go. Uh, so. We are we are so ready with a pro-economic growth, prosperity agenda. We'll fix the border. I mean, yeah, everyone knows that, right? I mean, does anybody actually think Biden is going to fix the border? No. Does everyone think that Trump will? Of course he will. He'll get better trade deals. He will uh, get higher wages for American workers. He'll bring jobs back, um, and uh, and he'll cut people's taxes. So he he has a very full agenda, and I, he knows what he wants to do, and. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think he has a, a record to prove that he can and will do it. Well, and surrounded by some very good advisors like yourself, Steve Moore, to help get the job done and get it done fast. Thank you. You know for- what? He, I mean, that's very kind for you to say that. But the truth is, you know, Donald Trump, I mean, and I love talking to him about this stuff and sometimes just giving him some ideas. But the guy knows he's a businessman. Right? He knows what to do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really not that complicated. You know, you don't. 
uh, you don't spend money you don't have. You you get, you build the wall to make sure that people can't come into the country illegally. You know, we're for illegal immigration, but not illegal immigration. And all these things are really so simple. I don't know why these left progressives, I don't know, you know, I gave a speech today and I asked the people, do you think Trump, the Biden people are just doing this intentionally to try to undermine our country? Because there's no other excuse mm-hmm. for why you would, you know, do so much damage to our border situation, why you would, you know, our, our uh, you know, we're going to we're going to cut our oil production so we can get more oil from, you know, China and uh, Russia. I mean, none of these things make any sense, really. Yeah. If I might, one last quick question. Does th- does Donald Trump have a plan to address the national debt? Well, first, we've got to just start to get the debt under control before we can even shrink it. But, you know, he one of the things I talked to him about is we've got to restore something called the presidential empowerment power. So it used to be that the president, if they didn't want to spend money, the Congress appropriated because he didn't think we needed to spend it it didn't get spent. And that would be a great way to save money. And, you know, the Congress is going to hem and haw. No, you have to. I mean, how stupid is it? If, let's say if the president, who's the executive branch, decides, you know, we don't really need instead of, you know, 400 million for this bridge, it's really only going to cost 300 million dollars so we can save 100 million. In Washington, you can't do that. You have to spend the whole 400 million dollars. I mean, isn't that stupid? Yeah. And he he showed us, was it the Jerusalem embassy, I think, that he got it done for such a, which, wherever it was in, in the Middle East, yeah. that he built that that uh, embassy or whatever it was for like dramatically less than what the bureaucracy oh, was yeah. saying it needed. I mean, in, in, in government, your, your incentive is to spend every penny you've got, not to return it to the taxpayers, because if you spend less, then they're going to give you less next year. In, in private business, your, your incentives are exactly opposite to save money to increase the, the profits and efficiency of the business. Mm. Yep. We need a business guy back in there for sure. Steve, <laughs> thank you for being with us here. We appreciate All right. you. Thanks. Have a great week. Yes, you Take as well. Care. Bye-bye. He is an author. He wrote how the relentless, uh, excuse me, Govzilla, how the relentless growth of government is devouring our economy and our freedom. And uh, I golly, it just sort of seems it's, it's really frustrating and annoying to me to listen to Joe Biden in that video with like a drum line. Good beat. Behind <laughs> my favorite part of his video was the pretty um, sick beat, <laughs> said the old lady on talk radio um, in the background where he's like, Hey, guys. Hey, kids. Hello, fellow kids. (laughs) Have you noticed uh, you're paying the same or more for things that are giving you less? Yes! (laughs) Yes, we have! Good grief. Man, are we getting played or what? Well, we're asking you the same question. If you've personally noticed obvious instances of shrinkflation in your life, yes or no, if you go to the Annie Fry YouTube channel, Live chat portion of today's live broadcast that is taking place. You can watch the radio show. It's a novel concept. Make sure you go visit us there. Say hi. Make sure you subscribe on the YouTube uh, channel. Joe, answering this question, says, absolutely. I used to eat an Oreo family pack, but now I eat the party pack. Wait, I'm not sure I understood the question. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, you enjoy your Oreos. We'll be right back. Don't go away. First off, thank thank Chief and the Mayor and Chief Penny and all of the, the these men and women did an amazing job. And it's just, you, you said it, Chief, it could have been a lot worse. Of course, we're devastated. I mean, this we've been here 65 years and have somebody shooting in your church. But, you know, we don't understand why these things happen, but we know God's in control. And we're going to pray for that little five-year-old boy and pray for the lady that was deceased, her family and all. And 
and the other gentlemen, but I don't know. It's just um, kind of in a fog, but, you know, just believe that, you know, we're, we're going to stay strong. We're going to continue to to move forward, and there are forces of evil, but the, the forces that are for us, the forces of God are stronger than that. So we're going to keep going strong and just, uh, you know, doing what God's called us to do, lift people up and give hope to the world. Again, I want to thank all these gentlemen because, you know, I can only imagine if it would have happened during the 11 o'clock service. We were in between services going into the Spanish service. So, you know, if, there, you know, if there's anything good of it, you know what, they're they did, they, she didn't get in there and do a whole lot worse damage. So we thank God for that. He's watching over all of us. And as the chief says, we're going to keep going strong and bringing hope to the world. But thank you again, gentlemen. Joel Osteen, uh, his Lakewood church encountered a shooter yesterday. And there's some inf- interesting information that is coming out about this shooting. And I'll read for you from the Fox News report. Police in Houston, Texas, says I have identified the shooter who opened fire at Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church on Sunday as Jeunesse Yvonne Moreno. Moreno, who has a lengthy criminal record and was born a man, Jeffrey Escalante, from El Salvador, was killed after off-duty police officers at the church responded to the incident. Search warrant said Moreno pointed an AR-15 at the officers who then fired upon her and killed her in self-defense. There was a message that was written on the rifle that this individual used in the attack. The message said, Free Palestine. As a man, the 36-year-old Moreno has a criminal history including convictions for assaulting a police officer in 2009, forgery in 2010. Members of the FBI, the Texas Rangers and Montgomery County Sheriff's Office and the uh, Conroe and Houston Police Departments were investigating a property Monday in Conroe, north of Houston, that's believed to be Moreno's residence. The shooting happened Sunday afternoon before the Houston megachurch's 2 p.m. Spanish service was set to begin. Moreno entered the church with a long rifle wearing a backpack and a trench coat, and accompanied by a five-year-old child. After the shooter opened fire, off-duty officers at the scene engaged the shooter and returned fire. Marino was pronounced dead at the scene. Police said that two people were injured, a 57-year-old man and a child, and the child who the shooter came with, who remains in critical condition at a children's hospital. The child is not expected to survive. A Montgomery County District Attorney's Office spokesperson told the Houston Chronicle. During a press conference, Osteen thanked law enforcement and said that he was devastated by the shooting. Um, you know, when one of the main things that comes out of shootings like this are gun control conversations. That's usually, that used to be the first thing. It used to be the most politically advantageous time for the left to push gun control. What has happened in probably the last, uh, I could be corrected on this timeline, I'll say six years, eight years, has been the skin color Mm -hmm. of the shooter and a a very aggressive attention to politics that might be associated with the shooter. There has been an overtime effort to try to string together all of these different shooters. Not in a way to actually stop the next people from doing the shooting, but to win a political battle. Go back to what I said in the very first segment of the show today. 
and ask yourself when you hear people having political conversations on radio shows, on cable news shows, on podcasts, wherever it might be. If the end goal of the conversation is to make sure that your guy or your girl wins an election, are they arriving at that position in a non-tribal way that actually solves the problems that the people who you want to get elected are getting elected to solve? Getting elected isn't the end of the road. It should be the beginning of the road to make sure that actual problems that are facing the people in this country who are supposed to matter the most, the American people, across all demographics, across all political, religious affiliations, economic positions, the people are the ones who are supposed to be at the epicenter of the focus. It is not an end to get elected. It has to be the beginning. Now, if you're playing the game that the left has tried to play into making these white these young male white incel, that's kind of the depiction that was put out there, right? The one that uh, tried to tie a political right-wing atmosphere around mass shootings. Colorado Springs shooter, non-binary. Nashville school shooter, transgender. Aberdeen shooter, transgender. Denver school shooting, transgender. Iowa school shooter, transgender or gender fluid. Lakewood church shooter, transgender. Does it matter? I don't know how to play this this game because what I know about when, let's say, five white people mass shoot in an instance, it doesn't reflect on white people. It reflects on those individuals who may have a commonality that is not by anything other than genetics at birth. Their whiteness isn't what caused them to shoot. The The shooter in South Carolina is one that comes to mind. The um, Is it Mother Emanuel Church? Am I remembering that correct? Something like that, Emmanuel. This white guy sits in this church, prays with these black church members, sits and prays with them, and then he shoots them, kills them, after they sat and welcomed him in to this this prayer this this prayer session. He kills them. He kills them because he hated them. There was 100% a racially motivated shooting. The ugliest kind of hate that you can fathom, it showed itself in that instance. It was a man who hated other people because of their skin color. That's on that guy. Men don't bear the burden of what that individual did. White people don't bear the burden of what that individual did. And those people who are in that church who happen to have black skin suffered the disgusting hatred that that shooter had. And that should be the story. That ugly moment should be squarely focused on what that guy did and why he did it. There's an importance of discussing that. But when you pull away from that issue and you try to spread it across 
other people who may have a demographic that is similar or the same to somebody who committed such a hateful, awful act, you diminish the focus where it needs to be on the person who engaged in that behavior. I don't, I don't know what the commonalities are between all of those shooters that I just articulated there. I mean, what percentage of, I mean, it's less than 1% of the population is transgender, correct? Yeah. Last I, last I saw it was. I don't know what the percentage of shootings that are being done by members of the transgender or I will, I will kind of blend it into gender based community. I don't know what percentage of mass shootings are being committed by those people. If there is a commonality on how those individuals are being medicated, how those individuals are not being medicated, how these individuals are being counseled, what kind of commonalities they might have in organizations that they might have participated in. I don't know what the solution is here, but I do know a double standard when it's screaming at me in the face. In all of these instances where the discussion previously, like they could, people couldn't run to the, to the podium and the microphones fast enough to talk about how you need to lose your guns. When you listen to who this shooter was at this Lakewood church, you wrote free Palestine on the rifle. You are somebody who engages in pretty much every far leftist activist talking point, like all wrapped into one person. Do the same standards apply to where the entire movement of all of those people, anyone who's ever said free Palestine, do they bear the responsibilities and the consequences of this individual's actions? Do the people who are a member of the transgender world have to bear the responsibilities of what this individual person engaged in? I would hope the answer would across the board be, of course not, that this individual committed these types of crimes and this individual should be researched and investigated so that they know what caused them to do what they did. And it might be, and I think that the one thing that brings all of these people together all politics aside, is a gross mental illness that we in our country are afraid to identify and institutionalize because we now live in a society where if you were to identify with anyone, whether it's a young, white, right-wing incel who shoots up a school or it's an immigrant transgender free Palestine on my rifle in my trench coat who wants to shoot up a church. That mental illness has to be somewhere in both of those individuals' experiences. And we have to, as a society, we have to, as a civilized society, be able to identify this mental illness and institutionalize it. And in order to do that, you're going to have to collectively be able to say, this is not okay. This needs to be removed from civilized society. 
And we're in a, we're in a no no you know not racially but a no black and white everything is gray area everything is blurred there are no lines of right and wrong anymore and if you were to delineate right from wrong you will become at because you are judging somebody else and you are saying that they're wrong and you are wrong for doing that do you see the interesting mm-hmm. hypocrisy there we've got to be able to have some common sense about this we've got to be able to identify the rap sheet of this person is storied. How did nobody see this coming? Who was this five-year-old child? How did this five-year-old child come to be with this individual? They, they don't have the answers. But it seems to me like we're not actually looking for answers to stop these things from happening. We're just once again looking for an opportunity to win the next political ballot box battle. Which is a tragically arrogant and ignorant way to look at these shootings. That seven-year-old child is in critical condition, and the report from Fox News says they don't anticipate making it. They're make, they have a press conference right now in Houston. I don't want to play the press conference. A lot of times these things have a lot of, like, very specific details that aren't relevant necessarily to live coverage, but we will, we're going to check the reports of what they're saying right now. We'll get them to you when we come back. And I'll get Brad and Ryan's thoughts on it, too, because it's a heavy topic. It's an easy one to skip over because... It's difficult to talk about. It's difficult to call a lot of these things out. But it's also important if you want to be a part of a solution. You got to be able to see what's in front of you and, and, and identify it. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Annie Fry Show. I literally almost forgot what the show was called. Oh, really? <laughs> I was trying to do a lot of things and I started that sentence and thought, oh. Do you ever sign checks just show accidentally? I've never signed a check outside of just my name. I don't, I don't, when, when I sign checks, I don't sign them anymore. The, the Annie Fry. No. <laughs> yeah, the Annie Fry. In the memo, the. What's the worst place that you want to get recognized? A brothel? Because that would mean I was at a brothel. Let Which me, I don't go to. Let me rephrase the question. My bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> of places that you attend, frequent, what's the worst place that you want to get recognized? You can answer the same as the last time. It's really <laughs> kind of what I'm waiting for. Um, I don't know. I, you ever been recognized at the urinal? Okay. Like, okay. <laughs> I didn't know if we were talking about, like, specific well, I don't know. I, Stores, I'm talk- businesses. No, it's and- anything. But I, men have a different bathroom experience than women do. Like, if I'm sitting in the bathroom going pee and someone's like, is that any fry? <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not a possibility. I'd recognize those shoes anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I hope that's what they're recognizing. Oh, she's on middays on 97.1, and she goes to the bathroom with a door open. That's weird. She doesn't, <laughs> in fact. What, like, is, there, is there any place where you don't want to get recognized? Or have you ever been if uncomfortable am, to have been recognized? Yes. Okay. I actually was recognized in Ruler Foods a couple months ago. This is probably more recent than that. And for some reason they said, oh, are you Ryan Wiggins? And I didn't see the person. And so instead of turning around, I just assumed for whatever reason when they said that, maybe it's somebody's voice that rec- I thought that sounded like, I thought it was somebody from church. And so when I turned around, I thought they were joking like, oh, are you Ryan Wiggins? Like... I see you all the time at church. Like, hey, this is your mom. Yeah. Like somebody who (laughs) I see pretty frequently was joking with me. And I turn around and it was not somebody that I knew. And then I had nothing. I was not prepared. I just didn't know what to say. 
That's the I answer went, is ah, yes. Ha, 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 or something like that. And the guy was like, sorry, I didn't mean to Were bother you. Were like, you. please, not here. I'm shopping. No, not at all. I just didn't know what to say because I, I was expecting one thing when I turned, and it was not somebody I knew. And so he was clearly a fan and, and wanted to talk a little bit, but I, I, I made it so awkward that he didn't know what to say. Gosh, whatever your name is, dude, I hear you. I, yeah. <laughs> and I, I apologize to not only you, sir, but everyone in the room. <laughs> but uh, but I felt bad because he, he clearly just wanted to like say, hey, like If he were listening right now, yeah. would he know that you're talking about him? Maybe because it was that bad. I, I was Ryan. that unprepared for it. And the question is, are you Ryan Wiggins? What do you need to prepare? Well, I again, I thought that I was going to turn and make a joke and it was going to be like, oh, of course I'm Ryan Wiggins. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, if I said that, then I actually would sound arrogant because I don't know this guy. I think if you turn around and said, of course, I'm Ryan Wiggins, that they'd still expect that. From yeah. you. <laughs> He's so on brand. But I, I felt bad because he clearly just wanted to. You know, just talk about the show a little bit and just tell you know, tell and me you what he liked it? about the show. And it was and, so and, awkward that I was Roller like, Foods, ah. which is a sponsor? Yeah, totally. What if they never go back? So I, I made a loop and then I, I, I saw him again and I made sure to walk up to him and tell him, hey, sorry, that was, I just, for whatever reason, you caught me off guard. And then we talked a little bit and made it all cool. So you it think, was okay. You think you stuck the landing on it? No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I you're still thinking I about think it. I had to go back to the starting line and restart and then the second time was okay. What about you? I think the worst place would probably be at like a doctor's office or something like that when you're having a procedure. For a rash. Yeah. <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> Just any sort of embarrassing procedure. Oh, I didn't know you came to this proctologist, Wiggins. <laughs> My husband had surgery at um, Dr. Hardiman's office with Gateway ENT, and he's still in the recovery process. He was here Friday. Friday was kind of a nutty day for me. We had to leave the house at 6.30 a.m. to get out there to be on time and everything. And we're, my husband is in the bed. He was having something done with his nose to help him be able to breathe better, to solve some allergies, whatever. Outpatient surgery, not that big a deal, but still under general anesthesia, so not, not a deal. And it was really funny because I'm sitting next to him in the bed. I have had two laparoscopic surgeries, the second which was an emergency one to take out and ovary, and this was like after my first kid, so the other one works fine. I have had two laparoscopic surgeries. I had an emergency appendectomy once. I've had four kids. I have been in the hospital bed with Jared sitting next to me, frequent flyer at this point. My husband has never had any type of anesthesia ever. Wow. So he's sitting in the bed, and I'm looking, like, we both were like, this is weird. I would feel more comfortable if I were in the bed and if you were sitting next to me. Like, do you want me to do anything for you? Is there anything? No, he's fine, whatever. And I think it was the anesthetist right before he was about to go back. Because I'm just sitting next to his bed Friday morning before the show, waiting for them to come get him. So I'm keeping him company, waiting for them to come get him. And the, the nurse came in, the doctor had been in, the anesthetist came in. And he just looks at me. He, he's kind of doing his doctor thing. He's, he's in his element. I am not in my element. And he just, in the middle of doing things, stops and looks at me. And he points at me. He kind of tilts his head. And he kind of smiles. And then he pointed at me again. And he goes, all right, Jared, let's go back. And I was like. <laughs> 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 like he was going to say. And he's like, nah, you know what? Maybe not here. I didn't, I, I didn't know. And I am, the, one of the most embarrassing things that I feel like I could do is assume somebody 
air quotes, knows who I am, which I would never say that out loud. And then have them like have no friggin' clue that I'm on the radio. I never presume that people, I'll be honest, every time one of you comes up to me and says you listen to the show, I am shocked. (laughs) (laughs) It is so surprising to me. I love when people tell me that because there are times where I pretty much feel like I'm doing the show for my dad and Mr. Wiggins. (laughs) And I assume that, you know, like I I run it by that filter. If I can do this on the air and say this on the air and I would say it in front of my dad and my mom, then I can do it. And when I find out that there are people out there that listen to the show and they're in the wild. Bush Stadium. I always say it. Many people sitting in Bush Stadium. It's crazy. But he didn't. This guy didn't say anything. And then they took Jared. And so it was funny when Jared was coming out of anesthesiology, he came out, he had woken up. But there's a period of time where you're awake and you're lucid, but then a day later, you don't remember that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Brad and I were talking, like, hopefully get some good like post-anesthesiology <laughs> uh, wild stories. We, I didn't really get those. But he was telling me that he knew that I was Annie from the radio show, which I assume is mostly due to our partnership over the years with Dr. Hardiman. Mm-hmm. But it was funny. I thought he just points at me and he turned his head, smiled, pointed at me again, and left. It's you. I thought of the place like, that I something frequent, in my face yeah. that I would not want to be recognized. My basement. No. <laughs> are you Brian Wiggins? <laughs> yeah. Like, and I would yeah, say, "What house. are you doing here?" Yeah. And that would be very, very unfortunate. I wouldn't like that at all. Neither of you have ever been recognized at the urinal. Uh, I don't know because men don't usually do that. They no. usually, they might be like, oh, and then like what do you right mean? back to business. What do you mean? Oh. No, no, no. Not, <laughs> <laughs> not like that either. We'll be right back. Get more at 971talk.com.